On the resurrection morning When all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal soul In weakness, raised in power Ready to live in paradise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed of God Never there'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord I'll have a new life Eternal Free From every imperfection Youthful and happy I shall be Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Oh yes, I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain, pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal grains All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the reading of God to stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal Good morning, good evening Wherever you may be Welcome to the Passion for Christ show So glad to have you, friends Hey, I just want to let you know I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone I find peace, joy, forgiveness, blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple, friend, that is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. But before we get to that study, a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. Get this. A new California law that requires doctors to participate in physician-assisted suicide is being challenged by a coalition of Christian medical professionals who claim it violates their free speech and religious liberty rights. That's right, friend. The law known as SB 380 was signed by Governor Gavin Newsom last year and lowers the waiting period for the end-of-life drugs from 15 days to 48 hours. 
Although the text of the law says physicians who object to assisted suicide shall not be required to participate, the law actually requires all doctors to participate at the beginning of the process according to the suit. That's because a doctor who opposes the law must still write the date of an individual's request for end-of-life drugs in the medical record and then transfer the record with documentation to a new health care provider or health care entity. Thus, by doing so, the law requires all doctors, even ones with religious objections, to start the clock for a patient's suicide. The suit was filed in federal court Tuesday on behalf of Christian Medical and Dental Associations and a Christian physician, Leslie Cochrane. There you go, folks. There you go. California law requires Christian doctors to participate in assisted suicide Lawsuit says, hmm, we see where this goes, friend. Indeed, we will see where that goes. Well, listen to this. An upcoming docu-series will offer viewers a rare look at the biblical giants known as the Nephilim and make a case for their existence. That's right, friend. The film entitled Angels and Giants Watchers and Nephilim is produced by the Inspiration Networks, a faith-based family entertainment network. It will be presented in four one-hour segments centering on the theories on Nephilim's existence. According to Ruddy Landa, a senior producer and director at the Inspiration Networks, the subject of the docuseries is based on their love of God's Word. The Bible describes the Nephilim in several places. Landa told the Jerusalem Post, the main commentary of Nephilim happens in Genesis chapter 6. Most people cruise right over those passages. As revealed in those passages, the Nephilim were the offspring of the sons of Elohim and the women they cohabited with in Genesis 6. Landa has also was also assisted by Douglas Van Dorn who authored a book on the Nephilim while the film was being in production. We present the evidence, we invite people to research and to draw their own conclusions. We aren't dogmatic, don't hide a thing. The docuseries which was filmed in Egypt, Peru, in the United States first begins in Jerusalem's Golan Heights due to its historical significance on the biblical giants. The book of Enoch, a 2nd century BCE apocryphal book believed to have been written by Noah's great-grandfather claims that the Nephilim were sent to Mount Hermon after being banished from heaven Mount Hermon is based on the Hebrew word cherim, which means to be banished. There you go, folks. There you go. Isn't that interesting? Indeed, new docuseries to make case for the existence of biblical giants or Nephilim. Mm. 
There you go, folks. There you go. Interesting indeed. Giants, Nephilim. Mm. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. And now, this day in church history. Thomas Cranmer was Archbishop of Canterbury during much of the reign of King Henry VIII of England, architect of England's Protestant Reformation and primary author of the Book of Common Prayer. The liturgy he composed still remains in use by many Anglicans. Because Cranmer annulled the marriage of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, he was in jeopardy when their Catholic daughter Mary came to the throne. In an effort to save himself from martyrdom by fire, he recanted his Protestant views. When he found he was to burn anyway, he wrote out a sermon to be read before his execution, which occurred on this date in March 1556. He called men to repentance and godly living before abruptly taking up the issue of his recantations. Here his, is his quote, folks. And now I come to the great thing which so much troubles my conscience, more than anything that ever I did or said in my whole life, and that is the setting abroad of a writing contrary to the truth which now here I renounce and refuse. As things written with my hand contrary to the truth which I thought in my heart and written for fear of death to save my life, if it might be. And for as much as my hand hath offended writing contrary to my heart, therefore my hand shall first be punished. For when I come to the fire, it shall be first burned. And as for the Pope, I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist with all his false doctrine. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun with Name That Bible Character. Here is your clue. Here is your clue. One of the last remaining remnant of the giants had a bed made of iron 13 foot long and 6 foot wide. What was his name? Was it number one, a Zamzumite giant? Number two, was it Sihon, king of the Amorites? Or was it three? Og, king of Basham. Here's your clue one more time. One of the last remaining remnant of the giants had a bed made of iron 13 foot long, 6 foot wide. What was this person's name? Was it a Zamzumite giant? Number two, was it Sihon, king of the Amorites? Or was it number three, Og, 
king of Bashan. We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Now, folks, get your Bible, get you a hot cup of tea or hot cup of coffee, and bring that Bible to the table with me, and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. Today, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments. Are the Ten Commandments relevant today, folks? Is it relevant? In James chapter 2, starting in verse 8, Notice what we have here, James chapter 2, starting in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who has said... Do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So James says that if you violate any one of the Ten Commandments, any one of the law of God, the law you make in reference to the Mosaical Law, specifically the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, if you break that, whether it's one or two, if you broke just one, it's as if you broke all of the law so that your connection with God is broken and you become a transgressor of the law or you become guilty in the sight of God. Let's look at the Ten Commandments and see what this is all about. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 7. This, of course, is Moses summoning all the children of Israel together, and he is recounting the fact that God had given them these Ten Commandments as a special covenant, and he says, it was not in verse 3, it was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us and all of us who are alive here today. And so he goes on now to discuss these Ten Commandments and what was really expected of the children of Israel, what is expected of each individual, how they're to live their lives, how this law, these Ten Commandments would be that powerful motivation motivating force that would keep them that would keep them moving in the direction of God all their lives number one what's the first of the Ten Commandments you shall have no other gods before me now remember what James says James says that if you stumble at one point you're guilty of all you violate just one of these Ten Commandments, you just become a transgressor. You committed sin. You are guilty. And your connection with God is severed. 
So the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And you may think, well, that's easy enough. I don't, I believe in God. I don't have any other gods before me. Really? Is God first in your life? Do you love God above all else? Who or what is number one in your life? If you can't answer those questions or they're left in the negative, then you violated already one of God's Ten Commandments and you become guilty. You become a transgressor of God's law. You've committed sin. And your connection between you and God is severed. Let's look at the second law of the Ten Commandments. Verse 8, Deuteronomy 5. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You're not to make yourself an idol. He said, well, I don't have an idol. Well, what about this? Don't make a God to suit yourself, to suit your life, to suit your vision of what things should be or not. In other words, you may begin to think of God as that grandfatherly type God who's going to excuse all your little white lies and excuse all these things that you're not doing or promises that you're not keeping. You are then creating an image that's not true of the real God. And you become then an idolater. You've broken the second commandment. Have you made a God to suit yourself, to suit your way of life? If you have, you are an idolater and you've broken this law. Well, what about the third law? You shall not take the, the Lord's name in vain. Friend, have you ever used God's name along with a four-letter cuss word? God blank. God blank, God blank, or have you ever said Jesus in exasperation? Have you ever took the name of the Lord your God in vain? If you have, you violated this law and you become a transgressor. That's what James says anyway. Number four, the fourth law. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded. What about this? I've often wondered about this. Are we to keep the Sabbath day? Well, friend, here's the truth. The truth of the matter is, as a new day and a new dawn, a new covenant under Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 12, verse 8 says that Jesus is our Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He is then the true essence of the Sabbath. And what is the Sabbath? Well, it's a day of rest. It's rest. And you remember what he says. It's important for us to remember this, that in Jesus alone there is rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Friend, have you found that kind of rest in Jesus? Jesus is a, every day we're to keep ourselves holy. Do you do those things? If you don't, I believe in spirit you violate this law in verse 12 of Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. In fullness and in essence, do we seek that kind of rest? Law number five. Verse 16, honor your father and your mother. Friend, do you do that? Have you always honored your parents and everything? If you haven't, friend, well, you violated this law and you become guilty. Imagine, as we read through this, how many of these laws that you, friend, have already broken. You are guilty. You are a transgressor of God's law. You have been separated from the relationship with the Almighty. What about verse 17? You shall not murder. And you're going, all right, hey, amen, glory, hallelujah. I finally found something that I haven't done. Well, friend, let me ask you this. Have you ever had an intense hatred for another individual? Are you filled with bitterness and anger? And hate towards someone else. Well in 1 John. God calls that person a murderer. Someone who hates another individual. If you haven't physically murdered someone else. Maybe you have mur you are a murderer. In your hatred towards someone else. If so you violated this law. And you're going, wait a minute, Brother Bruce, I don't like this so far. Well, that's what the law intends. Verse 18, you shall not commit adultery. And you may be going, yeah, I haven't committed this. Well, friend, if you're a guy, Jesus says, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart already. You've committed adultery. Hmm. And the principle can be reversed. If you are a woman and if you looked at a man and lust after him, friend, you have already committed adultery in your heart. You violated this passage in principle. Well, let's go to the next one. Verse 19. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. You ever taken something that belonged to someone else? You ever picked up a penny? You ever picked up a, a dollar? You ever picked up a dime somewhere that didn't belong to you? Put it in your pocket? You violated this law. You violated the Ten Commandments. You have become guilty and you become a transgressor of God's law and you've committed sin and sin separates you from God. You might be thinking like I am, oh my, oh my, oh my. Well, let's get through this before we give up. Verse 20, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't bear false witness. Have you ever told a lie? Uh-oh, we're all in trouble already. We violated this law already. 
white lie, big lie, half lie, half truth. A lie is a lie. Don't bear false witness. And then lastly, in verse 21, you shall not covenant. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house, land, maidservant, manservant, ox, or donkey. Friend, do you have an unhealthy desire for anything that belongs to someone else? Do you have that intense desire that to have what someone else has? The Ten Commandments here says, don't do that. Don't covet. Do not covet. And if you have, you violated this law. Well, what does all this mean? Well, Paul describes it like this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, commandment holy, just, and good. We stand before a holy and righteous God. Holy, white, righteous of God. Demonstrated in these ten commandments. Friend, you stand before God guilty. And because you're guilty, if you violated any one of these Ten Commandments of God, you are a transgressor and deserve to be punished. Deserve death. Well, what does Paul go on to say? Turn with me to Galatians. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin. That's what we just learned with these Ten Commandments. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You see, friend? All of this makes us realize that we are guilty, separated from the love, separated from God himself. And we need to be right. We need to be redeemed. We need to be forgiven. To be back into that wonderful, beautiful relationship with God. And his name is Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. Our penalty of death is taken on by Christ as the propitiation. For our sins, we can have them removed, forgiven, if we will only come to Jesus by faith. Do you stand guilty, friend? If you do, come to Jesus.
And that's our study for this broadcast. Now, folks, we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. Here was your clue, friend. One of the last remaining remnant of the giants had a bed made of iron, 13 foot long, 6 foot wide. Who was the name of this giant? Was it one, a Zamzumite giant? Was it two, Sihon, king of the Amorites? Or was it three, Og, king of Bashan? Well, it was three, Og, king of Bashan. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11. Only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Raphaites. His bed was made of iron and was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. It is still in Rabbah of the Ammonites. There you go, folks. There you go. The last remaining remnant of the giants had a bed made of iron, over 13 foot long and 6 foot wide. His name was Og, king of Bashan. And name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, by giving your life over to him in repentance and baptism. Find peace, joy, forgiveness. Be blessed beyond measure more than you ever deserved. My goal here was very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Well, friend, I just want to tell you what a privilege and an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless you. Praise God, praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do, well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah, Christ the Lord has died for you, praise God, praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do, well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah, Christ the Lord has risen for you, Praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do. Well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah, Christ the Lord is living for you. Praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do. Well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah, Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you.
Jesus Christ was the Son of God, oh Jesus Christ was the Son of God, oh Jesus Christ was the Son of God, He will set you free.